Well, hey, once again, I'm so honored to have you with us this morning. My name is Trevor. If we haven't met yet, would love to meet you at some point today and fill out that connect card if you're new. I see some people came in during worship today. So we'd just love to hang out with you. We'd love to uh, connect with you after service throughout the week, uh, get you connected into the Rad Fam in any way that we can and help you out whatever way that we can. And uh, man, we're in this series called Not Today, Satan. Somebody say, Not Today, Satan. Hey, that's pretty good, all right? You guys have learned, all right? You know I'm going to come at you again. First service, oh my goodness. First service, I was like, guys, this is week four of this. You know I'm going to make you say it again. And they still said it week the first time. So I said, guys, we got to wake up, all right? So uh, listen, this is second service. Now, you had a little extra sleep than the first service. So ain't no excuse for you people up in here, okay? I need somebody to say, not today, Satan. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You got to you gotta say it like that, okay? Because we're saying not today, Satan, uh, in my life. And uh, we've been in this series, and today we're, we're closing it out. This is it. This is the end of us talking about Satan, at least for now anyway. Um, week one, we talked about who is Satan. Who is he? Uh, just kind of the, the origin story, if you will, of Satan. Week two was what does he do? What does Satan do in our lives and try to do in our lives anyway? And uh, week three, we talked about demons, demonic strongholds, and uh, demonic possession, oppression, the difference between those things and how uh, demons try to do the work of Satan in our lives. And, uh, and how many of you know that there's a very real enemy, right? And his name is Satan. He's the devil. He's Lucifer. He's known as all these names, but at the end of the day, he stinks and he's a loser. Amen. And, and he's, he ain't good. He ain't good at all. And he thinks he got some tricks, but he ain't got nothing on us. And so uh, we know that Jesus is the ultimate victor. And, but, it, but this whole series, I've been trying to communicate that there is another side to the equation, and we just need to know. We need to be aware, right? There is light in Jesus. There is darkness, and there is evil in this world, and that is in Satan. It all comes from him. And, and many times we live as if he doesn't exist. We live as if it's just us and Jesus, and that's it. But no, there is a real enemy that is coming after you and coming after your family and trying to get you to go away from your relationship with God, trying to get you to live in a way that does not honor God. Not saying that he has ultimate power authority, but you need to know that there is an enemy that you have in this world, right, that's coming at you. Uh, but you know why I'm very excited today? It's because for the last three weeks, I've been teaching. I've been teaching, teaching with a G, okay, at the end of that. Uh, but today, I'm gonna be preaching, Okay, ain't no G on the end of that one. I am preaching today to you guys. I'm excited because today we're talking about defeating Satan. Somebody say defeating Satan. We're going to defeat Satan today and he has been defeated. He will, he is, is being defeated and he will be defeated. That's what we're talking about today. Um, and you know, honestly, if you're anything like me, I do not like to lose, okay? We talk about defeating. Uh, mm -mm, no one defeats me. I don't like to lose in anything, anything. Who, how many of y'all are very competitive? You're ultra competitive. You raise your hand so fast because you're like me. I want to raise my hand before everybody else does. I want to make sure they know I'm the best, right? Pastor, that's me. I'm very competitive. I don't like to lose well, in anything, honestly. Um, you know, playing volleyball, I don't like to lose. I'm going to go hard. If I'm playing soccer, baseball, football, any sport that has ever been invented, I will play and I will beat you at it. I can promise you. Ping pong, we set up a ping pong table and the first thing I wanted to do was to beat our youth pastor, Rachel, on ping pong and I destroyed her. Okay, and listen, like 21 to five, done. Like finito, absolutely destroyed. Don't tell her I said that. Is she in the room right now? No, she's gone? Yes, awesome, okay. But listen, she was, she was talking a big game, and I was like, listen, I don't think you understand, okay? Like, I don't lose, all right? I'm very competitive. I don't like to lose. Played basketball for 14 years and football for uh, three or four years. Played uh, baseball for almost 10 years. Played a lot of different sports and uh, played board games with my son for a couple years. Never lost once, you know what I mean? So and it's been good. He doesn't like to play board games anymore. <laughs> I don't understand anyway. But, but I, I've mostly been on winning teams for my entire life. I was lucky. Not everybody has a winning team at their school. You know, many schools, you just, you just stink, all right? How many of y'all went to that school that had no team spirit and your football team was awful and the students here on the front row, they're like, I currently attend that school. Yeah, just bad, okay? Like you just lose at everything. Ain't nothing good. And, uh, and so I was lucky enough to have winning teams pretty much my entire career in every sport that I played in. 
not normal. I'm not saying I was the common denominator or anything, you know what I'm saying? But like, maybe, but, but, no, I was very, I was very blessed to have good teams. My dad coached most of them, so that was probably it, right, Pops? There we go. So, uh, but I played basketball for 14 years and won the championship in seventh and eighth grade. Got to play in the uh, all-star game. It was a ton of fun. Loved it. My 10th grade year, we went deep in the playoffs. I don't think we won, but we did well. Junior year, we did pretty good as well. And uh, I became the captain of the basketball team, co-captain junior year. And then senior year, I was the captain of the basketball team now, the solo captain by myself, all right? I was the dude ready to lead this team to victory. I had never lost at a losing season in my entire life. And then my team was awful. My entire life we had won. I had never tasted being a loser before. It was so weird. Only had won. And uh, it was very disheartening to start losing a bunch of games. It was awful, guys. We were terrible. And to be honest, I wasn't helping, okay? I was off my game senior year. I just was. I had already kind of started more into music, into ministry. God had already called me into ministry when I was 15. And so I had slowly stopped caring about basketball and sports as much as I had in the past. And so I just wasn't on top of my game. As the captain, you know, I got to take that responsibility. Like, I need to be at the top of my game if I'm going to be leading this team. I was not. But our team was just made up of a bunch of guys that, you know, they were soccer players and baseball players posing as ballers, okay? Like, they were not at all ballers. They were not that great. Uh, and so we tried to pull it together, but it just wasn't happening. We started losing. It was very frustrating. I wasn't playing well. They weren't playing well. It was just a mess. And uh, I, I hated that feeling of losing. And I just wondered, like, what would it feel like to lose all the time? Like, if you were on a team that lost all the time or your school was terrible and you lost, they had a losing record every season, I am so sorry. Because that must have been awful. It's terrible. I hate losing. I'm very competitive. And um, you know, it, it made me think of a team recently that used to win all the time and now is unfortunately not that great. They're called the San Antonio Spurs and it uh, kind of stinks. And those of you that are fans, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. What does it feel like, guys, to lose? I'm a Dallas Mavericks fan up in the house, okay? Come on now, but we didn't do that great. Okay, we got Luka, but like the Spurs, man, it's like championship after championship, man, like winning everything, you didn't even know what the taste of defeat. What is that? Don't even know what it is. But now y'all went from Tim Duncan to like Rim Clunkin. Like you can't even hit any shots. It's awful. Like you're like 22 and 60 this season. That means that for every one game that they won, they lost three. That's awful. That's terrible. Um, and so I hope I never know how that feels. I really don't want to know how that feels to lose that often. Um, but if you want to know how that feels, and uh, you should probably talk to somebody who knows that feeling a lot. His name is Satan. Bam! Gotcha, Satan. I said all that just to get to that punchline right there. Satan stinks. He loses all the time. He is 0 for 3, and he's 0 for a million, honestly. But I'll tell you why today. It's because he was defeated, he's being defeated, and he will be defeated again. Can somebody say amen in the house of God today? All I do is lose, 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 no matter what. Okay, here we go. Point number one. Satan was defeated. Write this down. Satan was defeated. And if you want to have a little sub-caption or point underneath there, you could put Jesus defeated Satan by his death and resurrection. Jesus defeated Satan by his death and resurrection. Let me show you. Colossians 2, 14 through 15, it says this. He canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. One way to win a war or a battle of any kind is to disarm your enemy. And that's what it says here. He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. Now, if you are in a, a, a fight of some sort and somebody comes up to you with a gun or a knife or whatever it might be, what's the first thing that you're gonna try to do? Get that thing out of their hands, right? Because you know, if somebody has a gun or a knife, they automatically have the upper hand on you and now they're gonna be able to hurt you in a pretty big way. So one way that you actually would go against your enemy is to disarm them. Get that thing out of their hands that they can hurt you with. And you might see in the news, obviously Russia and Ukraine is a huge deal right now. And maybe you look on the news and you see that there was a weapons depot that was destroyed or an armory that was destroyed by a missile. 
And you think, okay, well, they could go for a direct attack on the soldiers. Why don't they just go for a direct attack? It's because, yes, of course, you could, you could eliminate a lot of soldiers, but at the end of the day, if you eliminate the weapons of their warfare, then the soldiers don't mean nearly as much, right? And so they go for the weapons depots and the armories, and that's why many times you see that on the news. If you take away their weapons, you take away their ability to harm you. If you take away the gun or the knife or, or whatever it has or their, 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 you know, their big planes or whatever it might be, you blow those things up, well, now they can't fight against you. And how many of you know that we have spiritual weapons that we fight with, right? Uh, we have the weapons of our warfare, right? It's not like we're going and finding an actual, you know, massive like samurai sword and we're about to go slay some demons or something like that. Like, no, that's not how it works. We're not we're like going up and just like getting in fist fights with demonic forces. That's not how it works. We have spiritual weapons. It talks about it in Ephesians 6. We've already talked about it in this series. What is it? It is the armor of God. We have the armor of God that we put on. And so when we fight, we're fighting with the sword of the spirit, right? The breastplate of righteousness, the, uh, uh, the shield of faith. Come on, like we're putting these things out in front and these are our weapons that we use to fight against Satan. So if we have weapons that are spiritual weapons that we use to fight, then it would stand to reason that the enemy also has spiritual weapons too, right? So what are their spiritual weapons? What are the weapons that Satan uses? I think his main weapon that he uses against us is something called condemnation. Condemnation, what is that? Condemnation is simply being reminded of your past failures and mistakes and making you feel like trash for it. That's what Satan loves to do. The Bible calls him our accuser. He loves to accuse you and he wants to condemn you. He's like that annoying little brother. You know what I'm talking about? You had an annoying little brother. If you did, then you can say amen here in a second. When you did something wrong and that annoying little brother's around, the first thing he's gonna do is see you do it and then go tattletale to mom and dad. Mom, juicy what Johnny just did. He just took a cookie and you told him that he wasn't supposed to and he is eating it right now in his room. You should go get him right now. And mom's like, oh. Timmy, what are you doing up there? Goes upstairs, flings open the door. What are you doing with the cookie? You weren't supposed to do that. Who told you? Your brother told you. Are you kidding me? Why would you tell him? You know, like that annoying little brother. It's like, oh, why would you do that? This is what Satan does to you and to me. I'm serious. He goes and he tries to tattletale to God and say, ha ha, look, they messed up again. Look, the same sin that they've been dealing with all the time, they're doing the same thing over and over and over again. God, you seeing this? Because I'm seeing this, and he loves it. He loves every second of it, just like your annoying little brother. Come on, somebody say amen. He loves seeing you get in trouble. And this is what Satan does. He accuses you. He accuses you in front of God, but he also accuses you to yourself. He tries to get you to condemn yourself. Remind you of your past and all your failures and mistakes and, and look back on it and say, man, I'm just this awful, awful person. But we all know that we've all fallen short of the glory of God, amen? This is what the Bible says. And the wages of sin is what? Death. Wages of sin is death. And Satan just simply wants to remind you that you fall short often. That's what he wants to do. And this time period that this is being written in Bible times, there was a, an actual way that you could be uh, enslaved, arrested and then enslaved because of a financial debt. So let's say you owed somebody a whole lot of money there was no way you could pay it back. You could actually serve them and become a servant or a slave in order to repay that debt. Obviously not something that we do here, but, but it is something that happened back then. And, and what this passage is saying is that there is a debt that we owe to God because of our sin, right? This is basic like Christianity. This is what we believe is that sin, what separates us from God and our sin actually creates a debt that we now owe back to God because God is perfect and holy and, and our sin separates us away from him. We have to have some way to atone for that sin and get forgiveness for that sin. And Satan is our accuser now and he's the plaintiff. And who are we in this scenario? We are now the defendant. But the good news is, is that God is the judge and Jesus is our lawyer. And he's a good one, guys. I'm telling you, he's a good lawyer. He's like Thomas J. Henry kind of style. You know what I mean? Like you see him on the TV screen, Thomas J. Henry will fight for you and get you all of your money that you, he has recently got a $10 billion settlement. 
It's just crazy. You know, that's Jesus. You know, like he's the best lawyer which you could possibly have. And, you know, it says that Jesus canceled the record of charges against us and nailed them to the cross. What does that mean? It means that he represented you and me before God, before Satan, our accuser. And he said, Father, judge, you know, instead of my client paying for the damages and dues and what he owes, I would actually like to pay for it myself. And the, the whole courtroom said, oh, really? It's like Judge Judy. You know, everybody's like, this is crazy. Thomas G. Henry would never do this, right? Like he loves his money, okay? No, but this is, this is Jesus here. So he's saying, I will pay for all of these damages and dues. I'll pay for it myself. And because of that, the same nails that held Jesus up on the cross also held every charge against you. I'm gonna say that again because I want that to sink in for a second. The same nails that held Jesus up on the cross also held every charge that's ever been brought against you. Every sin, everything you've done wrong, all of your past mistakes and all of your failures. Uh, the, the way that I think about this is I actually imagine Jesus laying on the cross and, and as he is getting the nails put through his hands and put through his feet, I almost imagine that the charges, like this paper that says all the bad things you've ever done. He said, hold on a second, before you put the nails in, let me slip this behind here, all these charges. All right, go ahead. And then they nailed him. And Satan thought he was winning. He thought he was winning, but the charges against you and all the sin and mistakes you ever made were actually hanging up on the cross with Jesus, and it says it right here, that he shamed them publicly, shamed him publicly by his victory over them on the cross. It wasn't enough for Jesus to win in private. I love this. I think it's amazing because Jesus didn't just want to win in private. He wanted to win in public and make sure that everybody saw that he was winning. All the demonic strongholds and Satan himself needed to know that Jesus was victorious. Listen, he was beating Satan right in front of his mama, okay? He was beating him in front of his friends, in front of his girl, in front of all his little demon minions and everybody. Jesus was shaming him publicly in front of everybody. And you know, when Jesus said, it is finished, I gotta imagine that Satan was so mad in that moment because he didn't even realize what Jesus was saying. But when he said, it was finished, Satan finally realized that Jesus wasn't just dying on the cross. He was winning, he was beating him. And there's nothing he could do to stop him. He didn't realize it. For, he thought that he was beating Jesus by putting the nails in his hands. But at the end of the day, all the sins of all mankind were also hanging up there with him. And Satan had no clue. He was so confused. And then he finally realized, I'm losing this battle. I'm losing the war. And he was defeated decisively at that moment on the cross by Jesus, and then through his resurrection three days later. How many of you know that we serve a God who did not just die, but he is alive? Amen. Come on, somebody give God praise this morning. He is alive and well, and he's speaking to you and to me this morning. So he was defeated, but he is defeated as well, and he's being defeated. So point number two, Satan is being defeated. If you're taking notes, you can write this down as well. Jesus is defeating Satan through Christians that live for God. And fight back the enemy with the armor of God. Jesus defeats Satan through Christians that live for God and fight back the enemy with the armor of God. We've talked about it throughout this whole series, Ephesians 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. What does it say? It says put on the full armor of God. But right before it says, be what? Be strong. Don't be weak. God ain't raising up some weak Christians in this place. Guys, I don't want to be a weak Christian. I don't want to be a weak church. I want to be a strong church that understands who we are, that we are children of the most high God, the creator of the universe, and we have some authority, and we have something to say when Satan is trying to mess with our family. We have something to say when Satan comes against us, when he's trying to accuse us, when he's trying to condemn you. Listen, I don't want you to be weak and back away and back down and be in depression, anxiety, and worry, and fear, going back to the same things over and over again. Listen, you are victorious in Jesus this morning, and God 
God does not make losers. He is a winner, and you are a winner because of Jesus. Come on, somebody get excited about what God is doing right now. Listen, let me tell you, I don't think we understand. You are a winner in Jesus, not because of you, but because of Jesus. You have to remember that. You can't get cocky. Or like, listen, I... I love playing basketball, and I was pretty good at it. I was pretty decent. I almost went to college for it, okay? I did ministry instead, okay? But here's the deal. I could have got real cocky and been like, you know, a lot of basketball players were known for being cocky. You have to have a little bit of that cockiness, a little bit of that confidence to know. Steph Curry, right? He has to know that that ball is going in, right? Listen, in sports, it's because of your practice and the things that you've put in and the time and the effort that you've done. In the spiritual realm, it has nothing to do with how good you are. It has nothing to do. It has everything to do with how good God is and how strong he is. It says it, be strong in the Lord and in whose mighty power? It says his mighty power. And then put on the full armor of God. So put on your armor, be strong and live for Jesus. Revelation 12, 11 says this, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Now, this passage here is actually talking about the tribulation. It's talking about a time that has yet to come. But it also applies to us right here, right now. It's saying they triumphed over Satan and by the dark, dark powers, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So how do we triumph over Satan? It gives us two things right there. Blood of the lamb, number one, and the word of our testimony. Let's take number one, the blood of the lamb. The perfect, spotless blameless lamb of God is what the Bible calls Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus that gives us victory over sin, that gives us victory over death and the works of the devil and demons in your life. Do you want victory over anxiety today? Can I tell you? Look to Jesus. Do you want victory in your health? Look to Jesus. Do you want victory in your family? Look to Jesus. Do you want victory in your finances? Look to Jesus. Do you want victory over addiction? Look to Jesus. It all starts and it all ends with Jesus. That's it. You have to look to Jesus. Fix your eyes on the one who is able to do exceedingly more than you can ask, think, or imagine in your life. He's bigger than everything that you have in front of you. And it's by his blood that we overcome. That's what it says. We triumph and we overcome by the blood of the lamb. It's not by your strength, right? We just talked about that. It's by his strength. So if you're overwhelmed and you're feeling attacked by spiritual forces, you just feel like there's just a lot of things going on in your life, a lot of things going wrong, and maybe you can't pinpoint like what is going on right now. It just feels like everything is falling apart in your life right now. Can I tell you, look to Jesus. Fix your eyes on him. We try to fix these things on our own, and yet, man, if you would just look to God, look to Jesus, he has the solution that you need. Why? Because he has already defeated Satan once, and he can do it again in your life. He is a winner. He knows how to win. All he does is win no matter what. Come on. And if you would look to Jesus, he can help you win in your life too. Amen? So the second thing was the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. What is a testimony? Testimony is simply a story of what God has done in your life. It's all a testimony is. It doesn't have to be some crazy testimony, right? Many of us think we don't have a testimony because I wasn't just, you know, addicted to like eight different kinds of drugs and strung out and homeless and everything. Like that's some people's stories, yes, and God radically saves their life. Some people, your story is it's just a lot more normal, if you will. But the, at the end of the day, God is doing something in your life. Whatever your story is, is important and needs to be shared. Satan tries to remind us of our past often. He tries to remind you of the failures and the mistakes that you've made in your life. And, and, and he wants to, you look back on your, on, on your story. He wants you to look back on your past failures. And he wants you to look at them in the wrong light. You see, when I look back on my life and the mistakes that I've made in my past... I used to look back on it and get real upset about it, right? What is this? Spiritual weapon of condemnation. He's fighting against me with condemnation. I'm now condemning myself for my past. And I would look at my past and say, man, I really messed this up. And like, oh man, this is, this is so frustrating that this is who I was. And you look back and sometimes you even start to think like, am I even any different? Am I the same as what I used to be? Am I 
really living for God? Am I really different now than I was back then? And you start to say those kinds of things and think those kinds of things internally, and that's condemnation. But what Jesus wants to do is he wants you to be able to look on your past and say, you know what? Yes, were those mistakes? Absolutely. Were those things that I should not have done? I was definitely not living my life for God, for sure. But you look back on your past from a place of victory now, not from a place of condemnation. You look back on your past and say, that's not who I am anymore. I am a new creation in Christ, amen? I'm a new person. Jesus has completely changed me from the inside out. The Bible says that he renews our minds. If you have thoughts from the past and you have things that start to come back to you and start to haunt you, remind you of who you used to be, listen, you need to look to Jesus because it says he can literally change the way you think about things. He can change the way you think about your past. And it all starts with knowing who you are, that you are not a failure, you are a child of the most high God, amen? And we need to act like it. When Satan tries to remind you of your past, remind him of his future, He's going to fail every single time. Let me say it again. I think some of y'all need to really hear this. When Satan tries to remind you of your past, remind him of his future. He is going to lose every single time. In my life, in your life, and in this universe, he will lose. And when you share what God has done in your life, you know what you do? You crush him a little bit more. When you tell somebody about Jesus and what he's done in you and through you, in your family, uh, in your church and in your job and how he's provided for you. And whatever that story is, whatever that testimony is for you, you crush him a little bit more. When you thank God for saving him from that life that you used to live, I just imagine, I have this picture of Satan just plugging his ears. No, 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 I don't wanna hear it, I don't wanna hear it. Don't let me hear it. He's so angry, so mad. So share that testimony with other people. Share your testimony with us. I had somebody just text us uh, a testimony from last service. I said, Pastor, I need to text you my testimony because I've never shared this before, but, but it's something God has done in my life and I really need to share. It is incredible what God has done in this person's life. We'll probably put it up on a video at some point. And listen, when we put videos of testimonies and different things like that up on the screen, it is not to be like, oh, wow, look how great Radical Church is and look at all the great things that they're doing. No, no, no. Why do we put testimonies up on the screen, share them on social media? And why do we share people's stories? Because it's by the word of our testimony that we overcome Satan collectively. As a church, we overcome Satan when we see that there are people in this room that are literally overcoming and triumphing over Satan by giving their life to Christ. And Jesus is turning them from their old life, making them a new creation. And then we get to put it on a screen so that your faith gets built up for God to do it in your life too. That's why we do it. It's not because we're great or that our church is any better than anybody else's. I just want you to see that God can do it in you too. You have to be able to believe it. And your story could change somebody's life. Listen, there is a generation right now that is desperate to know that they can change. There's a generation right now that's struggling so much with identity and who they are more than any other generation. And they need to know that God calls them a son and daughter of the Most High. God loves them and he cares for them. And they have the ability to overcome sin and live the abundant life full of peace and joy and hope. Not in depression, anxiety, worry, doubt, all these things, fear, whatever it might be. There's a generation that's in desperate need of you to tell your story and what God has done in your life. So speak up. And in last service I told him, I'll tell you too. Send us your story. If you have a testimony, we want to know. Why? Because we want to share it. We want to uh, help other people see that God is moving in our church and in your life and that he can do something incredible in their lives too. So send it to us. Please text it, email it, carry your pigeon it. I do not care. Send it to us somehow. But your story could change somebody's life. And number three, he's, he was defeated. He's being defeated. And then lastly, Satan will be defeated. Satan will be defeated. I'm going to read to you a pretty long passage of scripture here. And this is in the book of Revelation. It's talking about Jesus here. So when you, this person that is being described, I want you to know that this is Jesus that, uh, that is being talked about here. This is a prophecy in the future. It says this, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. In righteousness, he judges and makes war. 
His eyes are like a flame of fire. And on his head are many diadems. He has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. Jesus was the word, the words of the The armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of the God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is Jesus. He is the one on the white horse. And the Bible says that he is coming again for his church. The Bible describes us, the church of God, as the bride of Christ. He is the groom, we are the bride, and he is coming again. We're in that time of separation right now. Almost as if, you know, the day of the wedding, right? And you don't see the bride for a while, and then you finally get to see the bride as she's walking down the aisle. And, and I feel like that's how it's going to be that day when Jesus comes back for his church. The Bible says that there will be a day when he judges the living and the dead, and he comes back. And he's coming once again to defeat Satan. And he will lose. We know this. He has no authority and no power. And he's ultimately defeated in Revelation 20. It says that he'll be thrown into the lake of fire forever. That's what it says about Satan. There's a lot to unpack there, right, in Revelation. There's a whole lot. We're not going to get into that today. That's a whole other series. It'll take weeks to get through everything that's in the book of Revelation. What I want to stress to you right now is the simple fact that Satan has been defeated by Jesus on the cross. He is being defeated Every single time you live your life for Jesus, when you share your testimony, when you help somebody else find Jesus for the very first time. It says in the Bible that anytime somebody gives their life to God, that the heavens rejoice. If the heavens are rejoicing, what do you think is going on in hell? Pretty upset. He is being defeated every day you live your life for God and then he will be defeated again. That's all I want you to know. He has no power over you. He has no hold over you in the name of Jesus. And I want to read one, one scripture, uh, one more passage to you that is decently long. I want to end with this because I think it reveals three things about you that I need you to know as we end this series together and go on to Mother's Day and some other things. It's in Romans chapter 8. It says this. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long? We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Somebody say that with me. Say, we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Would you stand with me?
I'm getting emotional because I want you to understand what it feels like to be on the other side. I still have problems. I still work through things just like anybody else. But it's different when, you're, when you give your life to Christ and you're on the other side of it. When it's now a testimony and not what you're living through in the moment. When you can look back and not look at it with the condemning attitude anymore, but you can look back on your past and say, that's not me anymore. And I'm so grateful for what Jesus has done in my life. I want you to get to that place. It's such a beautiful place to live. There's so much more hope and so much more peace and just this life that Jesus died for us to live. There's three things that we learn in here. The first thing it says, if God is for you, who can be against you? There is no one that can be against you. Not even yourself. Like we come against ourselves so many times with self-condemnation. Satan's coming against you and he's saying, accusing you and condemning you with all these things that you've done in your past. And it says, who is there to condemn us now? It says, no one. It is Christ who justifies. It's Christ who makes you right with God. And then it says, in all of these things, it goes through it. Let me just show you. Who's going to separate us? Hardship or trouble or persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, all these different things. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. You are a conqueror in Jesus Christ. When you give your life to him, you are not just a conqueror. The Bible says you are more than a conqueror. God can do exceedingly above more than you could ever ask, think, and imagine in your life. And when you give your life to him, you become a child of the most high God who has all authority and all power in heaven and on earth, and he's given it to you. And you're a conqueror now. You can live in victory over sin. You can live in victory over addiction. You can live in victory over chains in your life. But you just got to know. Ultimately, you have to know this. It says, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God loves you more than you will ever know. He loves you with the love that doesn't even make sense. It's a radical love. It's a love that when you don't even choose God, he still has chosen you. The Bible says that he wishes that none would perish, but that all would have eternal life. That he, God sent his son, Jesus, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. And that we might have life through him. God loves you so much and he cares for each and every one of you. And he cares about the situations that you're going through in your life. He does. And if you would give your life to him today and understand that there is forces coming after you in your life, but that you have power over those things. You have power over that addiction. You have power over that fear. You have power over that worry. You have power uh, over greed and over selfishness and all these things. You have power over every sin, over every demonic stronghold in your life. Listen, I don't care. If you feel like you're stuck and you're never going to get out of it. So let me tell you today, there is hope on the other side. No matter what you're going through today, I want you to know God is for you. Who could be against you? More than conquer Christ and God loves you more than you'll ever know. And I want to end finally with the last passage of scripture that we've said multiple times every week, in fact. He that is in you is greater than he that is in this world. You got to remember that. Satan is condemned. He is in the world. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives within you and lives within me. And it's by that power that we have authority over Satan and his demons and all darkness in our lives. We have victory in Christ. Amen. I want to pray with you and I want to take communion with you. If you wouldn't mind, go ahead and grab communion cup there. Before we do take communion, I just, I want you to understand what we're doing here. The Bible's very clear about how to take communion. It's, we take communion from a place of right standing with God. We ask for forgiveness from our sins. 
We ask that God would make us clean before him. And we say, God, hey, even if you're the most committed Christian, right, we all need forgiveness. We all have sin in our lives. We need to come to God. The Bible says confess your sins so that you will be what? Healed. So we confess our sins. We find healing. We find forgiveness through Jesus. And, and we take communion as a reminder of what Jesus did for us on the cross. He has the last supper with his disciples. And he says, you have to eat my body and drink my blood. And they're like, what? That's weird. They didn't understand. They were so confused. But we understand now what he meant. The body that he gave us, the bread is his body. And I want you to imagine today as we take communion, it a little bit differently. I want you to imagine with me the same way that I had this picture that God gave me of of Jesus right before he's nailed on the cross. And he has these nails about to go through his hands and his feet. And he says, hold on a second. I have all of Eric's sins and past mistakes and failures. All the charges that Satan has ever accused him with, all the things that he's ever done wrong. And I want you to put that right behind my hand and and Julie, everything she's ever done, why don't you just add that in there? And in fact, everybody, just put all the charges, every charge, every accusation that Satan's ever, ever made. Every time they've not hit the mark, they've sinned and failed. I want you to put that right behind my hands and I want you to nail that nail straight through that with me. I want you to imagine every sin that you've ever committed is up on the cross with Jesus. And it says, how do we overcome and triumph over Satan? It was by two things. What was it? By the blood of the lamb, right? In the Old Testament, how did they get forgiveness from sins? Through sacrifice. They would sacrifice animals. This is the the law that God set up for them. We don't understand why, but it was. This is what God chose to do. There had to be a payment of blood with an animal to get forgiveness. There were so many laws that they had to follow in the Old Testament. And if they missed one, it was as if they had missed them all. And so Jesus, he comes in and he says, you know what? I'm gonna change this up. No longer are we gonna live under the law of sin and death, right? The old law, but I'm gonna do something new. I'm gonna become the sacrifice. I'm gonna represent everybody. And with my blood, I will pay for all the sins and cancel the record of debt against you and nail all the charges to the cross with me. I want you to think of that today as we take the bread and the cup and recognize that you are overcoming Satan and demonic strongholds, chains in your life, addictions in your life as you take communion this morning. But before we do that, I have to make sure that you understand what we're doing. And that is we're getting forgiveness from God. And maybe some of you in here today, you say, I need forgiveness because I am not living for God right now. And you know it. You need to get right with God right here, right now. So I'm gonna give you the opportunity to do that. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you want to get right with God this morning and you say, I believe that Jesus was on the cross and he died for me, but he was raised again on the third day. And I want to have the hope and the peace and the abundant life that he offers. I want the power uh, over uh, my addictions. I want power over Satan and his stronghold in my life and over uh, generational curses and things that have been over my life for years and years. And I feel like I can't get out of this cycle and I need Jesus to break the cycle today. I want to give my life to him. If that's you, would you just raise your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. If that's you, I see you right here, right here, right here. Come on in the back. I see you. Yes, yes, yes. I see you right here. Come on, amen. About six or seven people. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, I see you too. Amen. You put your hands down. I'm gonna pray with you, but I'm not gonna pray a prayer of salvation with you today. I want you to do that on your own. It doesn't have to be special. It just has to be authentic. It just has to be real. You just need to tell God in your own words, hey, God, I'm making you first in my life. I'm giving you everything. I'm tired of living my way. I need your help. If you wouldn't mind, go ahead and open up the bread from the top here. 
I'm going to pray over the bread. And then we'll take it on our own time. Jesus, I thank you for your body that was given for us, that was put on the cross. You didn't have to go to the cross. You chose to. And it was with me in mind. It was with these people that just raised their hand. It was with them in mind. And I thank you that right now in their life, they're seeing the fruit of what you did on the cross for them. That You're canceling the debt. You're canceling uh, everything they've done in their past that was wrong, the failures, the mistakes, the sins. God, you're canceling it all right now as if it never existed. Throwing it as far as the east is from the west. And it's because you nailed them to the cross when you died on the cross at Calvary. And so God, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus, for your body. I want you to take a second to pray on your own and then take the bread whenever you feel led to. Pray with the spouse or with somebody next to you and just thank God for the body that was given for you and for me. I'll give you about a minute. when you're ready, open the cup. Today we overcome by the blood of Jesus, the blood that was given for you and for me. God, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to become the sacrifice for all of us. We didn't deserve it. I certainly didn't. And many of us here, we know <laughs> we don't deserve it. We don't deserve the grace that you offer. We don't deserve Jesus, the Son of God, fully God, fully man, to, to die on a cross for us. And yet that's exactly what he did. And so Jesus, we are forever grateful and thankful. And it is by your blood that we overcome every sickness. It is by your blood that we overcome every disease. By your stripes, we are healed in the name of Jesus today, right now. I believe that generational curses are being broken in the name of Jesus. We are overcoming Satan, all of the devil's works and schemes in our life right here, right now, as we get right with you, God, today. And as we remember what your son Jesus did for us on the cross, God, give us forgiveness today. Remind us that we are not who we were, but that God, you have made us a new creation, that we are children of the most high God and we have authority, not by our power, not by our might, but simply by the blood of Jesus and by the word of our testimony of what you have done in us and through us. God, help us to live for you today. And thank you for the blood of Jesus. Come on, pray on your own for just a moment. Whenever you feel led, go ahead and take the cup today. Thank you, Jesus. We honor you. We're grateful, God. Thank you. Come on, can we give Jesus praise in this house? Come on, let's just lift up a shout of praise just for a second. God, you're worthy. Thank you for people giving their lives to you today. God, that's what it's all about. From death to life, from darkness to light, God, we celebrate along with heaven today. And come on, hey church, I want us to do one more thing before we leave. I did this last service, this was not planned, but I just feel like it is so important for us to do this one thing together before we leave. And it's simply to sing 
There's one song that says, Jesus paid it all. Come on, sing it if you know it. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed in white as snow. Come on, sing it again. Sing, Jesus paid it all. And all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. And he washed it white. One more time, sing he. Oh, he washed it white as snow. Thank you, Jesus, that you have washed us white as snow as if we had never even sinned. I don't even understand that kind of a love or that kind of a grace and forgiveness. I don't even get it. But yet, God, that's what you offer. And so today, I pray a blessing over every person in here that's given their life to you. Help them in their walk with you now, God, to stay right with you. And even when they mess up, know that there's grace that covers that. But God, Lord, we're living for you. We're not living for Satan. We're not living for the enemy anymore. There are things broken off today, right here, right now, that when they walk out of here, they will no longer be struggling with. In the name of Jesus, we plead the blood of the lamb over our lives right now. And God, I pray for testimonies to come out of this day today, out of this series right here, right now. Testimonies that will help encourage people and help us as a group and as a church to triumph over the works of the enemy in our lives. God, we thank you that we say, not today, Satan, in my family, God. Not today, Satan, in my walk with you. Not today, Satan, in my marriage. Not today, Satan, for my kids. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Come on, somebody scream, not today, Satan. Come on, say it. One more time like you mean it. Come on, give God praise in this place today. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Hey, God bless you so much. Uh, we're so grateful for you. Please get some Takis and hang out for a little bit. We would love to just hang out with you, get to know you a little bit better. Grab a coffee, support the youth group on your way out. And God bless you. We'll see you on Mother's Day. Invite somebody.